Chapter Five of Mary, a Fiction by Mary Wollstonecraft. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five. A few months after Mary was turned of seventeen, her brother was attacked by a violent fever and died before his father could reach the school. She was now an heiress, and her mother began to think her of consequence and did not call her the child. Proper masters were sent for. She was taught to dance and an extraordinary master procured to perfect her in that most necessary of all accomplishments. A part of the estate she was to inherit had been litigated, and the heir of the person who still carried on a chancery suit was only two years younger than our heroine. The fathers, spite of the dispute, frequently met, and, in order to settle it amicably, they one day, over a bottle, determined to quash it by a marriage, and, by uniting the two estates, to preclude all farther inquiries into the merits of their different claims. While this important matter was settling, Mary was otherwise employed. Anne's mother's resources were failing, and the ghastly phantom, poverty, made hasty strides to catch them in his clutches. Anne had not fortitude enough to brave such accumulated misery. Besides, the canker-worm was lodged in her heart, and preyed on her health. She denied herself every little comfort. Things that would be no sacrifice when a person is well are absolutely necessary to alleviate bodily pain and support the animal functions. There were many elegant amusements that she had acquired a relish for, which might have taken her mind off from its most destructive bent. But these her indigence would not allow her to enjoy, forced then by way of relaxation to play the tunes her lover admired and handle the pencil he taught her to hold no wonder his image floated on her imagination and that taste invigorated love poverty and all its inelegant attendants were in her mother's abode and she though a good sort of a woman was not calculated to banish by her trivial uninteresting chat the delirium in which her daughter was lost this ill-fated love had given a bewitching softness to her manners, a delicacy so truly feminine that a man of any feeling would not behold her without wishing to chase her sorrows away. She was timid and irresolute, and rather fond of dissipation. Grief only had power to make her reflect. In everything it was not the great, but the beautiful or the pretty that caught her attention. And in composition, the polish of style and harmony of numbers interested her much more than the flights of genius or abstracted speculations. She often wondered at the books Mary chose, who, though she had a lively imagination, would frequently study authors whose works were addressed to the understanding. This liking taught her to arrange her thoughts and argue with herself, even when under the influence of the most violent passions. Anne's misfortunes and ill health were strong ties to bind Mary to her. She wished so continually to have a home to receive her in, that it drove every other desire out of her mind, and, dwelling on the tender schemes which compassion and friendship dictated, she longed most ardently to put them in practice. Fondly as she loved her friend, she did not forget her mother, whose decline was so imperceptible that they were not aware of her approaching dissolution. 
the physician however observing the most alarming symptoms her husband was apprised of her immediate danger and then first mentioned to her his designs with respect to his daughter she approved of them mary was sent for she was not at home she had rambled to visit anne and found her in an hysteric fit the landlord of her little farm had sent his agent for the rent which had been long due to him and he threatened to seize the stock that still remained and turn them out if they did not very shortly discharge the arrears as this man made a private fortune by harassing the tenants of the person to whom he was deputy little was to be expected from his forbearance all this was told to mary and the mother added she had many other creditors who would in all probability take the alarm and snatch from them all that had been saved out of the wreck i could bear all she cried but what will become of my children of this child pointing to the fainting anne whose constitution is already undermined by care and grief where will she go mary's heart ceased to beat while she asked the question she attempted to speak but the inarticulate sounds died away before she had recovered herself her father called himself to inquire for her and desired her instantly to accompany him home engrossed by the scene of misery she had been witness to she walked silently by his side when he roused her out of her reverie by telling her that in all likelihood her mother had not many hours to live and before she could return him any answer informed her that they had both determined to marry her to charles his friend's son he added the ceremony was to be performed directly that her mother might be witness of it for such a desire she had expressed with childish eagerness overwhelmed by this intelligence mary rolled her eyes about then with a vacant stare fixed them on her father's face but they were no longer a sense they conveyed no ideas to the brain as she drew near the house her wonted presence of mind returned after this suspension of thought a thousand darted into her mind her dying mother her friend's miserable situation and an extreme horror at taking at being forced to take such a hasty step but she did not feel the disgust the reluctance which arises from a prior attachment she loved anne better than any one in the world to snatch her from the very jaws of destruction she would have encountered a lion to have this friend constantly with her to make her mind easy with respect to her family would it not be superlative bliss full of these thoughts she entered her mother's chamber but they then fled at the sight of a dying parent she went to her took her hand it feebly pressed hers my child said the languid mother the words reached her heart she had seldom heard them pronounced with accents denoting affection my child i have not always treated you with kindness god forgive me do you mary's tears strayed in a disregarded stream on her bosom the big drops fell but did not relieve the fluttering tenant i forgive you said she in a tone of astonishment the clergyman came in to read the service for the sick and afterwards the marriage ceremony was performed mary stood like a statue of despair and pronounced the awful vow without thinking of it 
and then ran to support her mother, who expired the same night in her arms. Her husband set off for the continent the same day, with a tutor, to finish his studies at one of the foreign universities. Anne was sent for to console her, not on account of the departure of her new relation, a boy she seldom took any notice of, but to reconcile her to her fate. Besides, it was necessary she should have a female companion, and there was not any maiden aunt in the family, or cousin of the same class. End of chapter 5